0: Yesterday afternoon, two New York City police officers were sitting in their squad car as a part of the Anti-Terrorism Task Force in New York City. They were working overtime, and while they were sitting in their cars, a gentleman came up and murdered them, the two officers in their car. The younger of the two men left behind a newlywed, having just been married a few months ago. The older of the officers left behind a wife and a family. This morning, I know that many people in New York City, particularly the law enforcement, are grieving over the loss of their brothers. I want to begin a lesson this morning asking the question, what will you leave behind? I know that many people make plans for their death. In fact, some of you may have purchased a burial policy knowing that the time of your death is nearer than perhaps further away. Some of you have perhaps purchased life insurance to Make sure that those that you leave behind will be cared for. In 1986, Krista McAuliffe, one of the pilots of the space shuttle Challenger, right before it took off, some of her friends went and bought a million-dollar life policy for her family. They wanted to see that something was taken care of. It may be that you have planned for it to the point that you've sat down and left some written instructions. A couple of weeks ago, Brother Winford Claiborne passed away and his son, Doran, called me and said, Tony, he said, Dad wanted you to read Scripture at his service. I told Doran, I said, I knew that he had asked me to do so, but he said, Dad had everything written out, he, everything he wanted to take place. It's very possible that you have made your last will and testament. That you have had an attorney or maybe even you yourself have written down what you would like to have done with what you have left. But I want to ask you, what will you leave besides money? You know, when you go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7... Paul tells Timothy, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Whatever you leave behind, you will leave it all. Every penny, every dollar. But many people think only in terms of what they will be leaving their family in terms of money. Some people may say, I'll die pauper. I won't have anything left. But you will leave something behind. In Romans chapter 14 verse 7, none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. There's not a person whose death does not impact someone. Usually those very close to you. This morning... I'd like to encourage you to make it easy on me. When it comes time for you to pass, will you make it easy on the preacher? There are sometimes when people receive a call and maybe it's Highs or Menville Funeral Home and called and says, "Tony, we've got brother so and so or sister so and so up here, and they'd like for you to conduct their funeral." I'll tell you, there are either one of two things that happen to me. Almost instantly, mentally, either it's, oh no, what am I going to say? Or, there's so much about their life, what will I choose to talk about? Will you prepare your family? When it comes your time to depart from this life, whether it be quickly, as the officers were yesterday, or whether it occurs at a good old age, will your family be prepared for your leaving? What will be your legacy? What will people remember you for? With all of those thoughts in mind, here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like to ask the question what will you leave behind as we talk about failures? What will you leave behind with regards to your family? And what will you leave behind with regards to your fidelity? Let's begin by talking about failures. If I were to ask how many of us have failed, we all could raise our hands. In fact, how many of us have failed spiritually? In fact, I might even ask miserably. In Romans 3, verses 9 and 10, Paul concludes, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin, as it is written, "There is none righteous, no, not one." Verse twenty-three. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us have been a failure in our lives. We want to do right. We desire to do right. Well, sometimes we may not. Sometimes we may have just wanted to do wrong. But we've all failed. The truth is, when you start looking at failure, you realize everyone has failed, but some have turned their failures into success. Historically speaking, secularly speaking, you think about men like Abraham Lincoln who lost election after election, who had a number of Very serious tragedies appear in his life and yet look at what he accomplished and look at the position he occupies in history. I found a quote by Michael Jordan which I thought was very significant. I'm not going to dwell on it, but he made this statement. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions I have been entrusted to take the game winning shot and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life and that's why I succeed. You see there are people who look at their failures as opportunities to learn, opportunities to grow, opportunities to do better. But you know if I if I go past the secular illustrations to those in the Bible, there are some that I think really are helpful. As I ask the question, what will I leave behind? What will I be remembered for? You think about some of the failures. If you want to go with me to Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. Look just a moment at the life of Judas. Judas. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Judas was a failure. Judas was a man who had allowed money, possessions, to possess him. When you get to chapter 27 and look down to verse 5, it says, Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. You see, for many people, their life is marked by people who said, I quit, I give up. My life is a failure and it doesn't mean anything. And folks, I'm going to tell you, when you leave behind, you leave behind real sadness, real grief. You don't believe that it continues. How many little boys do you hear being named Judas? How many little girls named Jezebel? You don't hear it. On the other hand, think about Peter you go to Luke chapter 22, the Lord is still at the occasion before He is to be crucified. He's telling His apostles that all of them are going to betray Him. All of them are going to fail. You get to verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now folks, let me tell you what happened with Peter. Peter did exactly what the Lord said. You're going to betray me, Peter. No, Lord, I won't betray you. Yes, you will. Three times, in fact. But the difference between Peter and Judas is, Judas went out and hanged himself. Peter, after he had returned to the Lord, started to strengthen the brethren, encourage the brethren. Think about Paul. Was Paul's life a failure? Let him speak himself. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 and following, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I did it, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love, which were in Christ Jesus this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern for those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul said, Look at me, I'm an example of the mercy of God towards someone who who really had failed in life. In chapter 15 and 10 of First Corinthians, he says, By the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Paul said once Seeing that I had failed, once recognizing what I needed to do, I changed my life. Our works follow us. You can choose to leave behind a legacy like a Judas, or you can leave a legacy like a Peter and a Paul. Revelation 14, verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And here's the key phrase. And their works follow them. Their works follow them. Number two. What about your family? How do you view your family? Do you look at them as a blessing, as something that God has Bestowed upon you that you have a stewardship over them. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Their heritage. Something that God has passed to us. I want you to consider some successful family leaders. Every one of them were failures in one area or another. But they became faithful leaders of their family. You think about Abraham in Genesis 18 and verse 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. To do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God said, I want you to look at Abraham. He's a man. I know what he's going to do. All these blessings that I have promised to him are going to come to pass. Because of him as a father. As a faithful man. Or consider with me Joshua chapter 24. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord and if it seems evil to you to this to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord you drop down to chapter to verse 31 of that same chapter. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. What you find is, what will you leave behind? Will you be a father of a family that becomes faithful and dedicated to the Lord? Don't want to leave out you godly mothers In first Tim or excuse me, Second Timothy chapter one and verse five, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. There are some godly mothers who have and grandmothers who have instilled within their little children, their grandchildren a devout love of God and of the truth. And he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, But continuing the things of which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Success doesn't happen by accident doesn't happen with money. You see someone who's willing to pass on to their children an inheritance of money, land, houses. That didn't happen by accident. There had to be some wise planning. There had to be some hard work. Education that is instilled within children doesn't just happen. It's worked for. I think sometimes we believe that a good name and spiritual success just happen. No, they don't. In Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. You instill, you inspire your children to maintain a good name. Folks, your family may not have left you millions of dollars, thousands of dollars. But if your mother and your father left you a good name, you ought to be thankful for that. If you want to go with me to Proverbs chapter 13, this has been one of the passages in my personal Bible study for a few weeks. And I believe Proverbs 13 has within it some very precious principles about what a person can leave behind to their children. Verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You train your children to listen. Don't scoff at education. Don't scoff at training. Verses 2 and 3, you teach them, be careful how you use your tongue. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. You know, it's good to teach your children there's a time to keep your mouth closed. There's a time for a person not to utter everything that's in his heart. You get to verse 7. You teach your children the proper valuation of things. He said, there's one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, and yet has great riches. You see, in life, you teach your children, not everything that is valuable is money, or possessions, or things. You teach them the love of God. You teach them the love of family. Teach them the value of honesty. Verse 11, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. You teach your children to work hard rather than to try to get stuff by dishonesty. Verses 13 through 15, he said, He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. You want to be able to have a life that's not struggling, not difficult. Listen to God's word, verse twenty. The value of good companionship: He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companions of fools will be destroyed. Teach your children to choose their friends carefully. Help them choose their friends carefully. Understand that when you're communicating to your children, it's not just to them. It's to the next generation as well. Solomon Wright, a good man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The value of hard work. Verse 4 The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Verse 23, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. You work hard, you preserve, and then you will be able to enjoy it. Verse 18 and verse 24, the value of discipline. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards rebuke will be honored. Verse 24, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. You love your children. Discipline your children. And then finally in verse 25, The value of being satisfied. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul. For the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. The satisfied soul. Now very quickly, fidelity. There are the lives of some people who speak very loudly, very strongly. For instance, the first person murdered. Abel. We read about him in 1 John 3.12. Not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. You go to chapter 23-35 of Matthew. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. Hebrews 11 and verse 4. By faith offered Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, that through it he being dead still speaks. What will I leave behind? Let me tell you what Abel left behind. Abel left behind three times in Scripture being described as a righteous man. What about Dorcas? Acts 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, but it happened those days that she became sick and died, and they washed her, they laid her in an upper room, and since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there, and sent two men, to him, imploring him that he would not delay in coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. When, in, uh, when he had come, he went into the upper room and the widows stood by him, weeping, showing them the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made And while she was with them. You see, this was a good woman. When you think of a person, great women of the Bible, Dorcas was remembered, she left behind a legacy of being a good person. Let me ask you a question. What mark are you leaving on this church? What mark are you leaving in this community? What are you leaving behind? Are you an encourager? Acts 4 verse 36 and Joseph who is also named Barnabas by the apostles which is translated son of encouragement. A Levite of the country of Cyprus. Son of encouragement. Are you a person that when a young person comes forward and is baptized, are you in the line to let them know that you love them and appreciate them? When someone comes forward and says, I feel like I have been a failure I, and I, I need the prayers, the strength of my brothers and sisters. Are you one of those who tells them we're with you? Or are you a discourager? Are you the one that has a scowl on your face when you come to services? Are you the one who, whenever we talk about trying to do anything positive or good, oh, that will work. Are you the one that holds things back? You know, in Numbers 32, verses 6 through 9, And Moses said to the children of Gad to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord God has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away at Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they were discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. So they did not go into the land the Lord God had given them. God said to the children of Gad and Reuben, you've got to understand, you can do the same thing that they did when they went to spy out the land. You can discourage. And the way you discourage things many times is, He said to them, Shall your brethren go to war and shall you sit here? Are you a, an encourager by getting involved? Or do you say by your lack of participation doesn't mean anything to me? What are you leaving behind? Or are you a quitter? Galatians 5 and verse 7, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? 2 Timothy 4.10, For demons has forsaken me, having loved this present world. A lot of people just give up and quit. What do you say when you go to the funeral home of a person who didn't support the work of the church, who didn't attend faithfully? What do you say about a person who never contributed to the good of the Lord's work. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about in terms of your time, your talent, and your effort. What are you leaving behind? David offered some very wise parting words to his son Solomon. He said in 1 Kings 2, 1-4, Now the days drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be strong, therefore and prove yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may fulfill His word which He spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, then you shall not like a man on the throne of Israel. David said, Solomon, let me tell you, I'm putting my legacy in your hand. Are you living so that you're putting your legacy in the hands of your children and in the hands of your friends and those who follow? What will you do with what you have left? I know that some of us may look back in our life and say, there's some things I am just terribly embarrassed about. I've not lived like God would want me to live. Paul would say in Philippians 3 and verse 3, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on for the upward call of the prize. Will you start now? Now, we're going to sing the invitation song. You're, if you're here and you're not a Christian you can make a tremendous choice to say, I've had failure in my past, but that's where it's going to be. In my past, I'm going forward. I'm going to become a Christian through faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, and being baptized. You may be a child of God struggling with sin. Folks, now's the time to give it up. Now's the time to serve God. Would you come where we stand and sing?